Welcome to Success Beneath the Surface, hosted by Deborah Fell, Managing Partner at Chief Outsiders. Deborah provides insights specifically for CEOs from growth-oriented companies. Thank you, Susan. I'm here today with Lena Petrova, founder and CEO of Ad Astra Inc., a company she founded almost 13 years ago out of her passion for promoting cultural understanding. And I wanted to speak with Lena today because we need more of that for a better world and also perhaps for better companies. I'm so glad you joined me today, Lena. Please share a little bit about your background and speak about how you got from where you started to where you are today running this company. Thank you so much for having me here, Deborah. It's uh, such a great pleasure. My passion has always been for communication and communication around the world and also for business. I grew up, I remember I was five years old and I was playing in the sandbox in St. Petersburg, Russia. And uh, all my girlfriends, they were talking about getting married. They wanted to have this those that we were playing back then they were talking about the dresses that they wanted to marry uh, for their weddings and I remember I was sitting there and I felt a little bit of an outsider because back then in our culture all the girls wanted to get married but I always felt that I wanted to be a businesswoman and as cheesy as it sounds I wanted to bring some difference and so it started back then, and then every single step that I was making, whether it was education, whether it was jobs, whether it was helping my family with something, I always was taking it as a next step to growing closer and closer to my dream of starting a business. And also living in the country that was always closed from anywhere and anything, and also communication was always regulated and communication everywhere. Everything that we were reading, everything that we were watching, everything that we were listening. I think that back then I started feeling that it was my passion without even realizing it. So you started really with the passion to create and lead a business. And then later, how did it become the current business that you have, the communications business. And I'm sure it, it, it isn't as simple as it sounds, starting a business, just start up a business and go from there. No, it wasn't. And um, one of the things that I will always be very grateful is the people. I think um, I might not have enough and I came from pretty much nothing like the majority of us who grew up in the environment that I grew up. But I was blessed with always having very passionate, very smart people that I learned from. And uh, I walked side by side and I studied side by side. And thanks to those people, I am where I am today. And also I have a fabulous team uh, because everybody that we walk, Astra is not just a company. Astra is the community, really. And everybody who works there, um, I have to say that 
yes, we want to have money. Everybody wants to have money. We all want to have and pay our bills. But again, uh, we do believe that we make the difference. And everybody who works there, we have people who join our company and they hate it and they leave and that's okay. People like plants, some people you know, blossom in some environments and some people die in some, well, I'm talking about plants, right? So sorry, some plants blossom in the environments of desert and some plants die and some plants blossom in the environments of rainforest. And for them, it's too much water. So the same with people. So we have people who come to our company and they hate it and they leave. And then we have people who come here and they stay with us for what, 13 years now. So that's how you have a strong culture and that your company, your culture either attracts and magnetizes someone or it lets them know, you know, we may not be a place for you and they can self-select. That's, that's really, I think, an indication of a very strong culture. Correct. And I think it's also about the mission, because uh, to me, it's always, um, you know, financial statements are always important because financial statements, those are like grades in school. They show how great you're doing and they show where you need to improve. They they show uh, where they need to tune up, adjust. But those are just financial statements that show where you need to go, right? But also the most important thing is to show the people uh, what we are here for and what value we are bringing to the communities. Speak about that. What is it that your company provides? And then this higher mission you're sort of talking about, what is it that you provide as a community to the communities? So the most important thing is that uh, we work with the communities that we serve. Here in the U.S., the way that we position ourselves differently is that we look for not just seasoned linguists, even so it's important, of course, to work with a seasoned linguist, but that is an easy thing to do. But we also look for people, very smart people who come to this country. Some of them are refugees that are fleeing for whatever reasons that they have to leave. And some of them are PhDs, some of them doctors, some of them have amazing careers back home but whatever the reason is that they have to come here to us and then we find them and um whatever the reason is they cannot continue their career and they have to start somewhere and uh, we communicate to them that there is a need in the communication industry language industry and then we work with them on the training there are different trainings that we develop And those trainings are for free and they start and then they realize that there is a new career that they can do in this country. And that's how it all starts. There is that we serve LAP, language English proficiency communities here in US, but those communities are being served with the people that come from the same community back from their countries. And that's where the connection happens. And the same with the deaf and hard of hearing communities. So it's, of course, it's, you know, ASL interpreters, the American Sign Language interpreters, those are all hearing people. But it's also very important to work with the deaf community here in the U.S. And deaf interpreters, they're different, or coders. Coders, those are the children of deaf right, right. oh 
so and 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 the language is different right and the culture is different it's very important to work with the culture and the community and make sure that it's all integrated together so lena someone could say you're a translation company but you're much more than that from what i'm hearing so speak to the differences between the company that you and your team have created versus a strictly a translation company we, we do provide translation yes, yes. Uh, translation services big right now but there is more to it so um translation interpretation those are two different things <laughs> Uh, to start with, but there are other things, and uh, particularly right now uh, with the AI that is being integrated into our lives. Yes. And uh, I keep hearing from some of my friends like, "Okay, you're going to be completely out of business." Yep. And I say, you know what? Uh, I know that our industry we are really early adapters. That happened to us back in 2016. Uh, when neurotranslation came to the, we started it and we integrated it into our workflows back then. But then, of course, Google Translate came in and then everybody started using it, uh, copying and pasting and translating things in all other industries. But guess what? Since 2016, up until today, our industry just keeps growing. Why do you think it's happening? Is because the more content we have, the more content needs to be translated and need more content needs to be interpreted. Yes. Yeah, that's a fascinating point. Is that then really expands your market. AI then you're saying actually expands your market. Yes. And then of course right now we are not working just with the neuro machine translation. We work with the LLMs, which stands for large language models that comes with the AI. Yes. And so one of the things that we need to keep in mind is that with the all the content that we currently have uh, has been created with the past two years. Uh, if you if you numbers that I want to share with you that just to um give you an example that in 2018 we were creating 33 zettabytes of data sounds like a lot yeah and lots of zettabytes uh in 2021 we were creating 79 zettabyte of data we almost doubled it right now on daily basis we are creating let me let me spell it out right 2.5 quid trillion zettabytes yes. of data daily wow. right so that's also zettabytes i'm not quite sure what those numbers are yeah so it's uh 2.5 plus 18 zeros per day exactly. so what it means that it's for us we work with the content so the more content out there the more we work with it's almost in a crazy way you're almost in partnership with ai is that a crazy way to say it <laughs> That is absolutely correct. So we are not in competition. We work together. And um, as AI um, keeps improving itself, I should say, right? Mm -hmm. So I would say, according to Mustafa Saliman, who I love very much, he's from London. He's the creator of DeepMind that was later on bought by Google. Uh, within his prediction, within the next maybe eight months to a year, we are going to be having completely different AI that is going to be US AI 
versus China AI versus Russia and Argentina AI. So content will be different that will be generated by AI. And then of course, this cultural um, awareness, cultural adaptation of content is going to be needed and who's going to be working with those, those going to be companies like us. And that's going to be need humans. Am I correct? I mean, really to ensure that the cultural aspects, the cultural context is correct, is not necessarily going to just come from whatever content is revised or created by, by AI means. Oh, correct. Yes. Um, we are going to be seeing a huge shift. So uh, according to different studies, Golden Sachs made us quite a few findings. Uh, there is a research was done by Forrester. So um, it's all based on the generative AI, right? So by to 2025, about 97 million jobs will be created around generative AI. Why I'm talking about this? Because it's generative AI. It's all going to be around content creation. So why is going to be affecting us again? Right now, what we are doing is we have content and then our job is pretty much like circulating around content and work with this. And now it's time for a quick break. CEOs need help growing their companies, but don't always have the time or money to hire a full-time chief marketing officer, CMO, or chief sales officer, CSO, or both. Recruiting a quality, full-time executive can take months, not to mention the ongoing cost. In these challenging times, CEOs need battle-tested growth executives who can help companies successfully navigate the uncertain waters. Partner with Chief Outsider CMOs and CSOs who will function as strategic operators to build and execute your growth engines. Language is the key to understanding. At Ad Astra, we unlock doors to countless cultures across the nation and the globe. We specialize in cross-cultural communication with a human touch in the age of AI, bringing language access and breaking down barriers so you can thrive in this diverse world. As the Northern Star, Ad Astra will navigate and illuminate your path to success and greatness through the complexity of cultures and languages. Learn more at ad-astrainc.com. And we're back. We are moving inside. And we are going to be creating that cultural appropriate content or our clients will be using their own AI, whether it's OpenAI, ChatGPT, Google Bard, whatever, whatever engine they will be using. Then that content will be sent to us and we will be able to edit it according to whatever market they are going to be entering globally. And are your clients are are they sort of all over the board in terms of the types of industries, the types of companies or entities? Yes, at the moment we have global presence. Uh, we work with North America, South America, Middle East, Europe, Asia, and when it comes to the verticals, uh, we start with. U.S. federal government, we also work with other governments across the world. We also work with the corporate America, whether it's healthcare, whether it's entertainment sector. And of course, all the requirements are different. 
So I, I can hear as you talk about AI and, di and different things about your team that you are really a visionary, but at the same time, you know how to build a company. I mean, you built this company and yes, it's you and a team behind you, but there's no, as I understand it, there's no, you know, big financial backer. There's no, you know, there's no one really pulling the strings in this company except for you. And it is a sustaining company and you have even a bigger vision for the future. It sounds like you are confident uh, for the future. And so what, what has really driven you? What is the ingredient or set of ingredients that keeps you fresh and excited about the future? Um, believe in what we are doing. Um, believe in my team. I always say that it's not me. I won't be able to get where I am without the team. And I think that for me personally, the essence of Adapstra is its people. And for me, I always think that what I do, I'm, I'm not good at many things, but I believe that the thing that I'm good at is building teams and always look for people and identifying what people are good for certain things that are important for our company. And I always say that when you go out there and network, and if you see a person that fits the culture and perhaps we might not even have a position for that person, but start talking to that person. Uh, and that person might not need a full-time position, but we always find a way how to work together whether we can work as a consultant, whether we can collaborate as two different companies, whether we can collaborate on some initiative on one project, but you never know where we are going to end up, right? So it's all about people, really. It's all about the people and it's all about, again, mission on making some cool things together. So you say you're not good at many things and I don't know that I agree with that at all, but I can see that you're good at the most important things. And the, this notion of people, some companies seem to feel that people are expendable. You know, one goes, just get another one. And yet I hear you talking about the curation of a team, the careful selection of people. And in your daily walk and daily life, uh, when you identify a person that seems to have somehow you perceive that quality, that you're open to talking with them, whether you bring them in or, or collaborate with them. So I think that these are, you know, we talk about AI, people say, oh, is AI gonna take over people's jobs? You know, that's kind of a headline of the day, um, but you're really focused on who are the people that are going to really drive this company and be a big part of this company. So I think that's a very, that's a very big point to make in this episode. Of the, of the curation of a company founded on, on principles and a vision and looking for people that have that shared vision or once they learn of this vision, they want to join. Is that a fair way to describe? That's correct. Um, looking and connecting with people is very important. And uh, as far as AI goes, it will replace some of the jobs, but it will also create, like I said, right? We are going to be about 300 million jobs will be full-time jobs worldwide um, are going to be 
influenced or replaced, right? But then we are going to be creating more jobs around AI, which is at least 97 million jobs will be created by 2027 around generative AI, which is different, right? So we want to make sure that we're talking about generative AI right now. However, if you're going to be looking back, right, when technology emerging, uh, was emerging and still emerging, first um, human muscles were replaced. And we're still okay with that, correct? We got robots that replaced human muscles. We continue doing that, right? Now we have technology that replacing some of the human brain. And that's been happening for quite a while because we got, you know, some programs, whether it's design software, whether it's Microsoft with its Excel programs, or, you know, PowerPoints, words, uh, I mean, you name it, you yes. can, we can go forever, right? We are still functioning and we are just doing better and better. We keep progressing. So now we have AI that is taking us to the next level, but people are still getting, you know, creative. And the whole point is that you're going to be using your AI. I'm going to be using my AI. You're going to be prompting in your way, Deborah way. I'm going to be prompting Lena's way. You're going to be doing your writing with your prompting. I'm going to be doing my writing with my prompting. Our writing will come up completely different ways. So there is absolutely no wrong with that. And you know where it's all going to be coming? It's going to be coming from Deborah's heart and from Lena's heart. So there is one thing that is not going to be replaced is our hearts, our emotions, and our creativity. And that's what I believe in. And that's why it's important to build that team around something that we believe in. So if we are running the companies the way that we are taking our financial statements as our the way that we are taking our grades in school, how we can improve, how we can tune things up here and there, how our financial statements are showing us the way that we are doing good or, or bad and, and sort of like our northern star where we are going. But at the same time, we are running, we are running our companies as if we would be running our companies as non-profits because there is a vision that we believe in yes. and we are all aligning yes. with this. Yes. That's what I believe in. Yes. Yes. So we, you know, at the beginning of this, we talked about, you know, cultural communication, promoting cultural communication. So needed around the world uh, to make a better world, but also to make a better company. And, and that's really what you've spent the time here describing as, as what makes a better company um, and, and helps you provide opportunities for people who share your, your values. Speak to though, the companies that you do business with or the entities, whether they're government, profit, nonprofit, global, how does that work with these companies? Are you also curating the kinds of companies you want to do business with based on those same principles? Talk a little bit about the organizations that you do business with and how that works. That's correct. Um, and again, I'm going to start with the U.S. because that's where our initial present yes. was and is. 
In US, it is important to understand, and lots of people keep missing that point, is that according to our constitution, we do not have a state language. And it's not English, it's not Spanish, <laughs> we don't have a state language. The right for speaking the language of your choice is protected by Title VI, and it's also protected by 15. 57 section of Affordable Care Act when it comes to the health care. So every single time when we have patients that are coming to hospital, they have a right to request an interpreter. And also with every single government agency or state agency, by law, they have to provide language support and language access. Some people can speak English, but if you have a situation of life and death, if you have a situation of um, labor and delivery, no matter how great you might be speaking English, you might just prefer to speak the language that is your heritage or your native, right? That's one of the things. And also, again, each state might have five top languages that again they have to provide the point to language card and again there are lots of legal behind it but also there is like just just regular human support that need to be provided there so that's how it all starts but then again there are organizations that are doing it for the right reasons just outside of regular legal regulations uh, with, the, with the healthcare at Joint Commission that requires every single hospital to provide those services. Again, with the government agencies, they have to be doing it based on the fact that the government will, will withhold the funds if those services are not provided. And then, of course, just again, it's the right thing to do. That is the perfect comment about so many decisions that CEOs have to make, which is the right thing to do, because... Apart from that, apart from that Deborah, uh, we also want to go global. Um, and as of just right after pandemic, after pandemic, several studies, and I can share those studies that were made, that no matter of the age, because people usually think it's people want to speak their language because this is generally older generation, an older generation doesn't speak English, and that's why you need to give them something. So after pandemic, again, multiple studies show that younger generation, or no matter what age, quite frankly, people want to belong. People want to belong to something usually bigger than themselves, right? And after pandemic, people want to buy from the brand that providing them this feeling of belonging. And if br those brands that localize their products, localize that their websites, localize their apps, even heritage speakers will find that loyalty to those brands. They spend longer time on those websites. They spend longer times on those apps. 
simply because they have this connection, this personalization connection with those brands. And uh, in other things, again, when companies localize their websites, products, and brands, they find much higher chance to naturally get on a higher ranking with the search engine optimizations. Because when you do it in English, of course, it takes much longer because you have to be watching your keywords and integrate them with the search engine optimization. When you start localizing your website, you go through the same process, but with other languages. If you do it with Spanish, Spanish is just like English. It will help you, but it's just a little bit, right? But once you start doing with another language, which is not as common as Spanish, your search, angle, uh, search engine optimization will kick in with just across the spectrum and your website starts popping in in search engine optimization on from other sites and you start climbing so much faster. And so basically the suggestion is do it in English, do it in Spanish, and then you might pick one more language that is not so common as, as Spanish and then start integrating the keywords there and then you start climbing so much faster. In addition to that, you are going to start getting the backlinks from other um, companies that start linking to you. So basically, that's another conversation. We can talk about this for quite a bit. But uh, there are quite a few business opportunities that come from it. So the application of this is really vast because we've gone from healthcare, you know, to government. And I can only imagine all the different you know, uh, applications there to marketing and website and driving more leads simply because you set up properly for this localization. And then I'm also hearing you say something incredibly interesting that speaks to personalization. You know, in marketing, we talk a lot, and really in business, we talk a lot about personalization, but we're, we're, you're talking about the language of one and being able to serve it up to that individual at the time that, that they need it um, and their right to be able to speak it and receive it. So th there's a lot tied up in here. Lena, this, this is really incredibly fascinating. And as I heard you describe it, I also think very, very complex. And so how do you stay focused? Because there are so many opportunities, so many applications, so many layers and levels of this how do you keep your focus? What are what are your own mechanisms, you know, to stay true to your vision and mission versus being pulled aside by some sort of interesting thing? It can be challenging. I will tell you that because there is always something. Uh, but again, uh, making lists. I am the person of the list. I have a list of the list. <laughs> And sometimes non-technical approach, the list. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's just the list of the list and just saying, okay, so what is going to be priority now? What we are still seeing as a priority, but we can integrate uh, one service with another service and um, seeing how we can build step-by-step um, -step process and some um, some services can grow through um, the lifetime of 
sort of like exponentially from okay so let's let's build this one and then naturally the the next one comes as a step um it also comes as a demand right because you know we never say no to our clients so if our clients so we, we build so many services because we have one client who wants xyz and then the same client is saying hey guys by the way you really need it now and then okay you know what that that has to be done and so to answer your question first of all you know lists on my personal side but then of course i have a wonderful team who helps me to prioritize organize things at the same time things grow naturally and there is demand for something now there is a plan and it's good to have a plan but it's also important not to be married to it yes and i think your point about meeting the customer where they are meeting your clients where they are then then i'm hearing yet there's another partnership and collaboration so so you're you're customizing language and including non-speaking to party of one and then you're working with your clients as a party of, of one and meeting their needs. And then through that collaboration, that then sparks potentially new business growth for you. Is that a way to think about it? That's absolutely correct. So I am just hearing you talk about coming from the heart, the mission, you know, the financial statement on the one hand, because you pay attention to that, but there's the financial statement of what good are you doing in the world and of, of accomplishing you know, your mission? And these are all just gems below the surface of what would otherwise be and is a great story of success for your company. But what is driving that success sounds very, very different and very important. And I'm just wondering sort of as a, as a last point here, Lena, to put you totally on the spot, is at, there are other CEOs out there, founders, who maybe after 13 years uh, are weary. You know, every now and then you hear this, this term CEO fatigue. And yet after 13 years, you're ever more excited. What's your advice to your fellow male or female CEOs about how to keep focused, how to stay passionate about the business and keep collaborating and driving the business forward? What would your words of advice be? I believe that... It's important to see the value that you're bringing. Again, I truly believe that believe in the change that you're bringing, believe in the value that you're bringing to the community and money will follow. That is a wonderful end note to this episode of Success Beneath the Surface. I, I'm so thankful that you joined me today, Lena, and I know our listeners will gain a lot of benefit from this. Thank you so much. Thank you. Be sure to subscribe in all your favorite podcast apps. Just look for Success Beneath the Surface. Chief Outsiders, part-time growth executives with full-time results. <laughs>